Hello and welcome to the River's Edge Church Podcast, Extra Conversations with Pastor Dave. Today, Pastor Dave will share in 1 Corinthians. We're excited to share another episode with you today. And now, here's Pastor Dave. Hey, welcome back to the River's Edge Church Podcast. I am Pastor Dave, and we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians uh, for a little bit of time now, since the beginning of September. And I've been trying as much as possible to teach every word of it, but where time doesn't allow or where Paul is a little bit repetitive, we've been fast-forwarding and then throwing the other stuff on the podcast. And so that's what we're doing coming up because this series is going to end in the end of November, and then we're going to get right into Christmas. And uh, so we're going to finish the whole book. And really, after you, in hearing this podcast, you've only heard up to chapter seven. So you're thinking, how are we going to finish all the way up to, you know, all these chapters uh, in just the span of another month? But uh, the way we're going to do that is I'm going to record a bunch of podcast episodes, and we're going to talk about them here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 8, here we go. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that, and then it says in quotes, we all possess knowledge, unquote. But knowledge puffs up, while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and with many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came through and through whom we live. Verse 7. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it's defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this brother, weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, If what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Well, there's a bit to unpack here. So I want to just start by saying this sort of breaks into three sections, uh, verses 1 through 3, then verses uh, 4 through 6, and then 7 through the rest. And the first is all about love versus knowledge. It's really about do we love God or do we, how do we live our lives? How do we lead our lives? Do we lead through knowledge or do we lead through love? There's this, uh, I'm going to give this example because I feel like enough people have watched The Office that they're going to get this example. Oscar 
on the office is an accountant. And Jim says in one of his, you know, famous takes on the side that Oscar's known around the office for, well, actually, they call him actually, because, you know, they, they, then the office cuts to a number of clips with Oscar saying, well, actually, well, actually, well, actually. And he's correcting people because he knows it all. He's a, that's his character. He's a know-it-all. He knows everything. And he is the great corrector of knowledge in the office. And the point that the show is making is that that's just obnoxious and annoying. And you and I both know that. We've been around people where that's happened. And sometimes maybe you have been that person and I've been that person. And you realize that that's annoying. It's not a loving thing to do. It's not always wrong to collect, correct people's knowledge. Sometimes it's imperative. Sometimes it's so important. But if it's just for no reason at all, it's obnoxious and annoying. That's not exactly what Paul's talking about. But what he's saying is this knowledge can make us arrogant. And when we lead by knowledge and only in our knowledge, then we're leading with arrogance. Instead of leading with love, because love builds up. And, and I don't know this, but I wonder if this is one of the first parts in his letter, as he's writing, that he says, I need to write a great thing about love to this church. They really need to know that love is how we lead. I wonder how I might do that. And in a few chapters later, he does. Chapter 13. As anybody who's ever gone to a wedding knows, the great love chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. So Paul's argument here is, how are we going to lead when it comes to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we going to lead by love, or are we going to lead by knowledge? Because, of course, this food sacrifice to idols, we know Jesus is Lord. We know Jesus is God, and these idols are nothing. It's just meat thrown onto the fire, and it's ridiculous. And in a certain sense, in Corinth, you couldn't get away from meat that was sacrificed to idols. So in that regard, there were many believers who just ate vegetables. They were just vegetarian because they knew they couldn't get away from that. And they didn't want to cause other people to stumble. Because, of course, other people have come out of this life of idolatry. And when you've come out of this life of idolatry, you don't want to see the people who profess to follow the one true God eating meat that belongs to another God. It's in the same way, and we've had this argument in the church for years and years and years, that we believe, while Scripture does not teach that drinking is wrong in of itself, we know that Scripture does teach drunkenness is wrong, and for the purposes of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and, and Romans chapter 14, which we'll cover in a minute, um, it's probably best if the believer just says, I'm not going to do that. Or if you do drink, that you just say, I'm not going to do that publicly. Because you don't know who's around you. You don't know who you might be causing to stumble. They might see you, and you're a Christian. You've been a Christian for years. That one glass of wine has nothing to do with your faith, but they're a previously um, addicted to alcohol person. They're an alcoholic, and they see that, and, and it just destroys them. And, and this is what Paul's talking about. You've got these new converts, these people who've just come out of paganism, and you're eating pagan meat, and so you got to be careful in which company you do this with. 
So he says, you know, well, I do want to get into the second section here. Um, so he says, you know, idols are nothing. They're, they're nothing. And we know there's just one God. In verse 6, I want to I want to talk about this verse for a second because it is an early, and probably if I was preaching, I wouldn't spend the time on this, but I, I think this is good for a podcast to, to spend a little bit of time on. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The reason why I want to talk about this verse for a second is this. In early scriptures, which 1 Corinthians is one of them, remember it's written before the Gospels, we don't have a solid definition of who God is. This is one of them. I mean, obviously, early in 1 Corinthians, you know, Jesus is Lord, and there's a whole bunch of lordship language around Jesus and all that. But in here, there's almost... It is almost Trinitarian language. I wish Paul would have put in the Holy Spirit here, but nobody at this point was thinking of having to clarify the Trinity. That would have come much later in, in church history, where we had to clarify the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But he says there's one God, the Father, and so he recognizes the Father, who Jesus recognized. I only do what I see my Father doing. I and the Father are one. I mean, famous text. And then he goes on and includes Jesus Christ in his definition of God. So the church would have no mistake that Jesus is God. And that's important for Paul. That's important for the early church to know, because you could go astray not realizing that. You could go very astray just thinking Jesus was a good guy or just a prophet. In fact, there is a number of world religions that believes Jesus is merely a prophet and in my um, estimation, a number of these religions are built on knowledge, not on love. And so I'll say that right there. So then verse 7, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed, and this is where Paul gets into the heart of the matter, still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it's defiled. So there's the heart of the problem. And Paul here says something kind of crazy for a Jewish person to say when you think about it. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we eat and no better if we do. Now, the reason why I say this is kind of crazy for a Jew is because like, hey, Paul, have you read Leviticus? Don't you know that there's extensive food laws in the Torah and in the Old Testament? Don't you know this, Paul? Because these laws that are in the Old Testament, all these different things, um, there's extensive food laws because they're going to either make you clean or unclean and bring you nearer to God or not nearer to God. So what Paul's doing is saying, look, this is what it means to be set free. I used to be bound by these crazy restrictive food laws, but because Jesus on the cross fulfilled the law and makes me right with God, it doesn't matter what I eat. Because Jesus on the cross did all these things, I'm free, and I could live with this freedom. I, I'm no longer bound by this law any longer. I could go eat shellfish if I wanted to. I could go eat pork if I wanted to. And th this is Paul's basic argument. 
And it doesn't say that explicitly in the text, but he does talk about our freedom. Because in verse 9, he'll say, be careful, however. And this is linking back to alcohol, like I talked about just a minute ago. That the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom you died is destroyed by your knowledge. So let's talk about that for a second. So for you, you know, this is what Paul's saying. For, or for me, I say with Paul, I've been set free for the law. I, I'm fine. I'm going to go in the temple, grab myself a burger or whatever. I'm, I don't care who's been sacrificed to. Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross for me. I'm just going to eat that burger. That's, that's what Paul's saying. There's no clean or unclean here. It's just, it's just a burger. That's it. Whereas another person sees that as becoming one with another God. And if you're weak in your faith or if you're brand new to your faith, you would say, don't you know what that means? You're, you're weak, you know, you're, you're becoming one with that other God. And Paul is saying, I'm already one with the Lord Jesus. Haven't you read chapter six and seven? You know, I'm already one with the Lord. I, I, these other gods are nothing. I am one with Jesus because he put his spirit inside of me. And so uh, that's what he's saying. But to the, to the weaker person, to the newer follower of Jesus, they might just be utterly destroyed to see Paul do this. They might be thinking, is he worshiping these false gods and trying to worship Jesus at the same time? It would look like a massive contradiction. And so that's where Paul says when you, that this is actually a sin against these people. When you know somebody that's got a weaker conscience and you are in a position of influence in their life, that you've got to be very careful to act in love versus knowledge. Because your knowledge might allow you to eat that food, but the love for that person and their relationship with Jesus will say, don't touch it. Help this person to walk through this area of life. This person is more important than what's on your plate. That's what's more important. And that's why Paul says in verse 13, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that it might not cause him to fall. So Paul here is saying that, like, yeah, of course, there's this very contemporary issue and case of what do we eat and what don't we eat? And, you know, some of this food's been sacrificed to idols. And if you're in Corinth in the first century, the reality is, is you're not going to get away from this. This is just the air that you breathe in Corinth. So you're not going to get away from it. And so that's why Paul is just making this argument like, hey, um, Jesus is Lord. All these other gods are just false gods and worship Jesus. But this was not the only place that Paul would have this argument. This is a, in the Roman world, this is a huge issue because people are coming to follow Jesus and your food, that in which you interact with every day, a number of times a day, has just been sacrificed to idols. And so you've got to be thinking, you know, am I, am I committing idolatry by eating, by just existing? You know, and Paul will deal this with this again in the book of Romans to the Roman church. 
And so I'm going to read some of this to you and comment on some of it because I think it has, um, I think it has a good, un, helps us to have a better understanding of Paul's entire mindset on the issue. Uh, this is Romans chapter 14. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One's person, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I've had people point that verse out at me because I do not eat meat. I haven't eaten meat for about six years, and it's more of a health thing than it is. I think meat is awesome. I think it smells great when people cook it, and uh, I have no problem. I even cook it for other people, but it just kind of upsets my stomach, so I don't eat it. So I've had people throw that verse at me just as a joke. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have weak faith only because I only eat vegetables. So what he's saying is that there are disputable matters, except the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. This is what Paul is saying. There are matters in the faith that we just don't have a good answer about. We never will. Um, Unless, you know, Scripture at one point literally just, you just open it up and it says, this is how exactly God wants you to act. Or this is Jesus we found, you know, and it's indisputable that we found Jesus's words written down. It's indisputably his. And Jesus says, hey, here's some things you're going to argue about later. This is my opinion on it. We don't necessarily have that. So you look around other churches and you see varying ways of worship. You see varying ways of um, people living and acting and, and all that. And as long as people are within a biblical orthodoxy, commonly understanding the Trinity as the Godhead and not falling into any idolatry or sexual deviousness, or anything just strange like that, then okay, great. We all have different ways of living our faith out. That's no big deal. Um, Some churches are more heavily into prophecy. Okay, that's just the way they're gifted. Sure. You know, some churches are more heavily into teaching. Okay, that's, that's how your leader's gifted. Great. Some churches are more heavily into the, you know, the works of the Spirit. Uh, okay, that that's fine. I mean, honestly, there can be a little, you could have a little trouble with that if, if you're not, don't stay zeroly focused in on, on the Trinity. Um, but fine, that's okay. So anyways, except those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. I don't know. I feel like um, quarreling over disputable matters is like, kind of a side hobby at the church sometimes. Um, Verse three, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants, um, stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord if able to make, if the Lord's able to make them stand. Oh, I'm sorry. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. This is probably a Saturday versus Sunday Sabbath question. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. 
Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to, to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whenever we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So what I think Paul is saying here is one of the reasons why we don't quarrel or fight over these disputable matters or we don't lead other people into sin, we have to be real careful that we're not judging others in the midst of all of this because you're not the judge. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so, you know, you might be judging over here and then all of a sudden the time comes for you to get on your knees and confess that he's God. Well, you know, that that is fundamentally opposed to you being the judge. God is the judge in this scenario. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind and do not put any stumbling block or obstacles in the way of a brother or sister. So um, let me just say where I've seen this and... The, you know, I could be wrong here, but just in my experience where I've seen this lived out a number of times, parents of adult children, if you're a parent of an adult child, your child has grown up to go live their faith out however they sense that God is calling them or leading them. And I've seen parents of adult children just get harsh on their kids' faith, but they're, their kids, you know, you talk to them and they're, they're living their faith out, but they're just, you know, kind of making their own mark in the sand. Nothing, maybe everything's a disputable manner. Nothing is like outright rebellion to the Lord. They, they love Jesus. They want to follow Jesus, but they're just not doing it their parents' way. I've seen this and I'm trying to guard myself for that trap. I mean, my kids are not too old from, becoming adult children, you know, they're just, they're teenagers. But I've, that's where I've seen it played out the most is these people, they've got kids, they've been able to form them, then they leave their house and they go forge their own faith and they get judged for it by their parents because it's not what they would have done. And to a certain respect, we all do that. We all judge somebody because it's not the way we would have done it. Verse 15. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. This goes back to the first Corinthians argument, act in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. I mean, that's just silly what Paul is saying. It's like when you, if you know that eating something is going to cause someone to stumble, if you know that having a drink is going to cause somebody else to stumble, if you know that doing anything at all might cause someone else to stumble and you know that and you know they're going to be there what are you doing stop it don't do that that that's what paul's saying you're destroying somebody's faith over food i mean come on you know they're you know they've got a younger 
weaker faith than you. So what are you doing? Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but what is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble? It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. For whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. That's so hard for us today, isn't it? Keep between yourself or God what you believe about these things, about food, alcohol, whatever it might be, any of the disputable matters. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not coming from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Ouch. So what Paul is saying here is you need to be fully convinced that what you're doing is of the Lord, that the Lord is leading that. Not justified, not in your mind saying like, oh, well, I could do this because so-and-so is doing it. No, give me a biblical rationale. Give me a biblical justification for what it is, not just eating, but doing whatever it is you're doing. Let, uh, and, and be fully convinced in that. And then you can live in this freedom. Almost like what I said before, where Paul became fully convinced that no food is clean or unclean. For him, this must have been a drastic world-changing shift for Paul to say that. Because he's a man of the Torah. And if you know the Torah, there are certain foods that are unclean. Oh, excuse me. Forgive my yawn at the end of this podcast. So this is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 8 that there's weaker people out there and that we as a church need to lead in love. Not by knowledge, but by love. That's how we need to lead to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So as you sort of listen to this and think, okay, what do I do with this? It's, it's hard. It's situational. It's not always going to be obvious what to do. But for you, the best thing to ask, and it could just be a little daily check, I think, is, is this from knowledge or is this from love? And it's from if it's from love, you're going to feel that. You're going to know that. That I de- desperately want what's best for other people. And if it's for love, then you're going to abstain from doing things because it's best for others. But if what you're doing is out of knowledge, then you're going to do whatever it is you want to do. And then everyone else can go... Um, pound sand because you know what you're doing is right. And so you're fine. I'm justified. I'm right. Cause I know I'm good. See the difference in the attitude. So the question is, are you leading out of love or are you leading out of knowledge? So it's, I guess my prayer always for my kids that they become the sort of people that make others happy that God made this world and put them in it. And that's my prayer really for you too. And And the way that you become that sort of person that makes literally this world excited to live 
excited to honor God and go, wow, God, thank you for putting this person in it. It is to live by love and not by knowledge. There's a place for knowledge. Knowledge matters. Don't get me wrong. I have books in my office and on my computer full of knowledge. Knowledge matters. But what really matters is that you lead from love. I hope you have a great day and I hope that you join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. as we dig through the scriptures together. Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that God has touched your heart through today's message. Please leave us a review and share with your friends. For more information about the ministries of REC, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. See the links in the description.